Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bolin. And as always, I am joined by my fantastic partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, brother? Pretty good, man. Excited, excited. Hey, me too. I'm a little nervous, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous for this Sunday, and I I bet you're a little nervous as well, us being AFC North fans and all. We don't want to see Joe Burrow win this. I mean, yeah, it would be great for Cincinnati and all, but I'm going for Cleveland, baby. This is going to hurt me if Joe Burrow somehow pulls this off. And, uh, you know, throughout the whole year, I, I was kind of doubting the Bengals and their ability to eventually win this big game. They, they somehow did it, Ed. They somehow did it. They found themselves in the NFL Super Bowl. I mean, the adversity they've overcome in the playoffs is unbelievable. And the, the fact that they're here, I have to give them their respect, even though I hate doing it. I got to give the Bengals their respect, Ed. But uh, we'll, we'll get more into that Super Bowl aspect towards the back half of the show. The last couple weeks, there has been a lot of moves in the NFL. And we're not talking about players. We're talking about coaches. This was a busy season for coaches on the move, and it's it's the season's not even over, and we have nine new head coaches, Ed. Some of them a little bit more surprising than others. Some of them I'm a huge fan of. We're gonna we're gonna dive into these, and I'm gonna get your opinion on what we think of these head coaching hires, Ed, and I'll give you my take, and then after we talk about them, we'll just give them a quick A through F grade on them. How about how's that sound? My friend, let's start it off with Doug Peterson to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and to start it off, man, this was absolutely, absolutely one of my favorite hires for any team, Ed. I mean, to redeem yourself after arguably, I mean, I think you could make a strong, strong argument that Urban Meyer was the worst head coach hire at least the last 20 years. You know, it that was a failed experiment if I've ever seen one. And to go out and get a, a coach like Doug Peterson, who has overcome an insane amount of adversity to win a Super Bowl, took the Eagles to the playoffs three out of five years being there. And there was a couple years he was there where they probably shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. So this is a guy that knows how to elevate the talent around him. And it's also a guy that I have faith in to to elevate Trevor Lawrence's game. I really think they brought this guy in because he's an offensive mind. And they, I mean, they, they use the number one overall pick on Trevor Lawrence. And last year, Urban Meyer, it was evident he wasn't doing anything to help this guy out. Anything. I mean, he was there for a paycheck and then he was ready to go. So having a guy like Doug Peterson, who's so personable, a strong offensive mind, I really have faith in him to build an offense and bring guys in that will elevate Trevor Lawrence's game, Ed. Yeah, this is a guy who won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I mean, (laughs) that's... That's how you. That's how you win. You know, uh, you know. He had Carson Wentz was his guy, but uh, and you know it, it kind of fell apart with Carson Wentz, and then uh, you know he kind of went you know with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 I think once you win a Super Bowl, you deserve a second coaching chance. Um, so I mean, you know, if the Bill Belichick gets a second chance. I mean, in Cleveland, after what he did in Cleveland, I sure, <laughs> I sure think that um, you know. Doug Peterson deserves another chance. And yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a guy who has some experience, um, guy who has some confidence, guy who, you know, like he's going to be respected in the in the, in the the locker room. You know, this is a guy who's going to bring that maturity that they've been lacking with Urban Meyer. 
100% Ed, and I think that's what they needed in Jacksonville. I mean, that's such a young roster. You need accountability, but at the same time, you need a coach that is personable and shows that he's going to be there for his team. Urban Meyer didn't have either of those. I mean, for crying out loud, the players were holding Urban Meyer accountable for his mistakes. That sounds a little backwards to me, you know? It's It, it should be the coach. I mean, it's a team effort, but at the end of the day, the coach is a coach for a reason. And Doug Peterson, I mean, anybody that's ever been around Doug Peterson has just fantastic things to say about the human being he is. And Jacksonville really, really needs a guy like that. And, you know, Ed, I don't think this is this is a hire that's going to, you know, take him straight to the playoffs, to the promised land, you know, but they need stability. The Jacksonville Jaguars need stability right now. And I think they got that in Doug Peterson. Now, maybe, maybe three years down the road, he finds them uh, working their way back into the playoffs. There's a lot of big holes in this roster, but I think for this to be a successful hire, you show your vision is Trevor Lawrence is your future and you make the moves to prove that. And if, if you could get that team on that page, man, I think that's a successful hire. Me personally, I'm going to have to give this, I mean, as of right now, I'll give it a B plus. I'll give it an A if they prove that, you know, this is, this is the right move, but in hindsight, I mean, it, or excuse me, like looking ahead, this is this is a beautiful hire, man. I mean, I for what was available, I don't think there was a more personable guy that would prove to you that he's able to build around an offense around a young quarterback. I love this hire, Ed, and I I, I think it's going to be really hard for Doug Peterson to mess this up because I don't think they're expecting too much out of him. They know what they're working with with Jacksonville, so. If he goes out there, proves Trevor Lawrence is our future, and I'm going to make that evident. I'm going to bring in the guys. Absolutely, you want to see them win more football games, but that's what I want to see. I want to see stability and prove to his players that they're the guys, and that's why I'm giving this a B-plus right now, Ed. Yeah, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip-flop, and I'm going to give him an A. I, 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 the more I think about this hire, the more I think this is the exact right hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, absolutely, Ed. I, I, I really, I really hope good things come for Jacksonville because, you know, since that crazy, crazy uh, run, what was it in 2016? I believe they somehow made it to the uh, to the AFC Championship, nearly to the Super Bowl. Since then, I mean, they've been a bottom of the barrel team. Jacksonville fans deserve to see some success out of this team, and this is a darn good step in the right direction, Ed. All right, let's hop over to the Chicago Bears, the Bears. Matt Eberflus. Now this is one I'm I'm I like it, but I'm still gonna be on the fence in the long run. I want to see how it turns out because um, the Bears have had defensive minds for for I mean the Bears are a defensive team. You know that's just their history, right? But you bring in Matt Eberflus, who is proven he can elevate a defense. It doesn't matter who's on that defense. Schematically, he's gonna elevate them. I mean, any for his entirety of the time on the Colts. They were top 10 in takeaways on defense. That is a very hard thing to coach, but it's coachable. And with how dominant, you know, Chicago's defensive side of the ball is, I really like the hire for that reason. I mean, you're guaranteeing yourself a top 10 defense every year this guy's here, but um, we kind of talked about it a little bit. I, I was comparing this hire a little bit to Vic Vangio to Denver from Chicago, actually. Um, I see it as, you know, great defensive mind. And yeah, you're, you're promising yourself a fantastic defense. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I'm still a little bit concerned about that offensive side of the ball. I, I know Justin Fields has all the potential in the world, but I if they can prove to me they got the offensive coordinator that's, that's the right guy to develop Fields, I'm all for this higher ed. I'm all for it. I love it. 
Because at the end of the day, defense does win championships. If you are sound on the defensive side of the ball and you have a good enough offense, you can win a Super Bowl with that. Now, I'm not saying the Bears are quite there yet, but I see the vision. I understand it. I still personally just have my concerns about, you know, what's going to happen with Justin Fields. If they make the right move with offensive coordinator and it works out in that regard, I'll give this, I'll give this, you know, like a B plus just because of how good of a defensive mind he is. But until I really see how it pans out on both sides of the ball for him, I, I, I have a hard time giving a true grade to it. Absolutely could have been a worse hire. At the same time, maybe there was a little bit wiggle room for somebody else, but I understand the vision and I can respect that. Yeah, the thing I like about it is, uh, you know, he's a defensive-minded guy, which is what the Bears' identity is. I mean, they're a defensive team. And this is a guy who wants to attack with Justin Fields. He wants to do something different with Justin Fields. I respect that. Um, you know, a lot's going to come down to, you know, who is the offensive coordinator and, you know, can this offensive coordinator find the right offense for Justin Fields? No, absolutely. Ed. I, I think that that's really all it does come down to because comparing this to the Fangio hire with Denver, they had a top defense locked in every single year. But having a guy like Pat Shermer who runs such a vanilla conservative offense, you were being held back on that side of the ball. So if the Bears can see that and be like, hey, offensively, we need to find the right guy. We need to find the right guy. Then I, like I said, I'm 110% for this hire. I'm just concerned, is this going to be another Bears team that has, you know, top 10 dominant defense, leads in almost every category, you know? But then again, on the offensive side of the ball, it's just lackluster. You know what I mean? And that's kind of been reminiscent to what the Bears have been almost the past decade. I mean, just a dominant offense, but or excuse me, a dominant defense, but the offense has yet to figure it out. But, you know, with a guy like Fields, man, that brings a lot of potential to that Chicago Bears. And, you know, if you look across the Bears' offense, they have Cole Kmet, they have a decent offense. I mean, eh, I wouldn't say decent. The offensive line's still got some work to do, but the backfield is strong. Darnell Mooney has proven to be a solid receiver. Cole Komet, I mean, this offense has a lot to build around. So I agree with you, Ed. You bring in the right OC, this could be a fantastic hire. Let's hop over to a hire that I personally, and I know a lot of other people, are mind-boggled with, and that is Lovey Smith to the Texans. Well, I shouldn't say to the Texans, promoted from the Texans, I guess. Mike, Mike, I don't understand the thought process behind this one, I guess, Ed. You fired David Culley, who won you, what, four or five games when you guys were projected to win maybe two, and you hire one of his assistants. Defensive coordinator, while the defense was bottom of the barrel in the NFL. Now, I get it. You're not working with much of a roster there, but what did you see in David Culley's assistance that you didn't see in David Culley? So I, I understand Lovey Smith. I mean, he's once again, this is one of the more personal coaches. Great thing. Like players say great things about the guy he is, but where's the success on the resume within the last decade that proves, Hey, this is the guy that's going to flip this franchise around. I mean, this is almost like, Hey, we need a head coach. Might as well promote this guy. You know, I, I don't get why you're moving on from Culley and promoting his his under it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me ed so for this one i'm gonna have to give it a d quite honestly i just can't see the vision so the reason i give it a c is because he was 81 and 63 with the bears and that's a pretty long career with plenty of experience but i mean this isn't you know you want to kind of catch a quick coach on the upswing just like a pitcher in baseball just like any other player a quarterback you want to catch him on the upswing 
Lately, he's been 8-24 when he was the coach of the Bucks, And then with the Illini for the University of Illinois, he was 17-39. and 39. Um, That doesn't seem like a great resume coming into, you know, a big job like, like the Texans. No, especially with, with all the concerns that they have surrounding, you know, who's, who's going to even be the quarterback of the Houston Texans next year? I mean, I, I really think it's going to be Davis Mills. But um, so at the same time, that, that kind of concerns me even more. Lovey Smith is a defensive head coach, and that defense struggled tremendously. Say what you want, but the Texans' offense really wasn't as abysmal as people thought it was. I, I think that there's they could have benefited from ha- keeping Cully or even finding an offensive mind. Um, like you said, what, what he's done on the last few teams he's on as a head coach just hasn't been impressive enough to me. To, to be promoted to a head coach, especially for how big of a project the Houston Texans are right now. And maybe, maybe Ed, that's why they didn't bring in a top-tier guy, is because no coach wants to go work for a project as, as intimidating and as uh, bad as the Texans are right now. I'm sorry, Houston fans, if you're tuning into this one, but you guys are not in a pretty situation, and I think we all know that. Once again, just don't understand the vision, but I guess, I guess that's how I'll convince myself that this hire makes sense, Ed. Let's let's hop over to an NFC team, the Vikings, uh, where they hired Kevin O'Connell. This one, I mean, it makes sense to me. I like it. I mean, you you go with your, you go in the trend. The rest of the league is kind of going the last few years of hiring a young, exciting personnel guy. And the last two years, he's been with the Rams as their offensive corner. Incredibly successful offense. Incredibly. Um, I mean, granted, they had Matt Stafford this year and uh, Cooper Cup's just going off. So that helps a lot. But he's a big part of developing that system. And, you know, for the last however so long, you had a guy, Mike Zimmer, a hot-headed old coach that brings a lot of old tendencies to the game. It's I, I agree. It's time for almost the polar opposite hire with Kevin O'Connell. A cool, calm, collected young cat. I like it, Ed. I really like it. And honestly, with how impressive this Vikings roster is, Call me crazy, but I want to see him make it to the playoffs his first year. If somehow, if the Packers end up moving on from Aaron Rodgers, there's no reason that this Vikings team should not be in the playoffs, Ed. And I would love to see Kevin O'Connell rejuvenate that offense. I love Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins deserves a strong offensive mind, and he finally got one. And say what you guys want. Kirk Cousins is one of the best quarterbacks in football. I wouldn't say he's top five or anything, but you can absolutely, I mean, statistically, top 10 quarterback, and that's a, that's a fact. That's a fact. So finally giving Kirk Cousins the offensive mind to develop a true new, new age offensive system where you're not going to throw a screen pass on third and 14 is going to really benefit this Vikings team. And I don't, I mean, the Vikings team we saw throughout the last however long Mike Zimmer was there, they lose it on the last drive of the game because of a boneheaded offensive mistake. I don't think we're going to see that with Kevin O'Connell anymore, Ed. So right now, I'm going to give this one a B minus. And I think that's right around where this is. Um, I mean, there, you know, you have to give the Vikings a break for the fact that this wasn't the guy they were going for, right? Their right. their their guy was, you know, Harbaugh, and Harbaugh didn't want the job, and so <laughs> you have to go with your second chance. Um, not your second chance, but your second option. You know, this is a guy who's you know coached. Matt Stafford and the Rams. You know, this is a guy who's worked with Kirk Cousins. He said he likes Kirk Cousins. He worked with him in Washington. I think it makes a lot of sense, kind of hiring. Um, I'm not going to say that this is like a great, great hiring. I'm probably going to go more with the C+. 
No, I respect that, Ed. And I, I think B minus is maybe even a little bit generous, but I, I think just not necessarily because of who Kevin O'Connell is, but the type of person he is. And I think having something so different from Mike Zimmer is what they need. I mean, you can't, you had to go as far away from Mike Zimmer as you could. And I think Kevin O'Connell is pretty polar opposite. And you mentioned that they have a connection back in Washington. That's huge, Ed. That's huge. An aspect that doesn't get talked about enough is just the personability and the connection that you have with your players, especially your franchise player being your quarterback. Having that connection, not even on a football level, but a personal level, makes everybody's life easier. And it truly does bring more success. If there is genuine, you know, I wouldn't say hatred, but not being on the same page as a person, that makes life a lot harder for the coach, for the QB, for the rest of the football team. So having this connection already established, I love it for I love it for Kirk Cousins. And that's that's I think that is another reason why I gave it a little bit of a generous grade. Um, because Kevin O'Connell really hasn't done much to prove that he's a quote unquote head coach. You know what I mean, Ed? He hasn't really shown that he's a head coach. I mean, there's no denying he's a great football mind, but I want to see how he pans out as an actual leader of an entire team. Let's hop over to one of my other favorite hires, Ed, and that is Brian Dable to the New York Giants. I think everybody, especially both Brian Flores and Brian Dable knew that this was happening. And I, I love it, man. It, that that offense has been in shambles in New York. It has been in shambles for the last decade. I mean, ever since Eli Manning was exiting his prime, I have not seen the Giants offense, you know, scare anybody. I mean, Saquon had that one year where he was rookie of the year, but injuries have, have just taken him out of the game. I mean, he's barely playing anymore. So they they have a good offense. I mean, the, the Giants offense was actually top 12 in the league, I believe, last year. And you have that established. All right, Brian Dable's a guy that turned Josh Allen from the least accurate quarterback in football to the most accurate quarterback in football within a span of a year. That is absolutely mind-boggling, Ed. And uh, Brian Dable's also responsible for developing an offensive scheme that is super pass-heavy, but at the same time is super successful. I mean, in Buffalo, they didn't have much of a running game with Singletary. You know, going to New York, yeah, I mean... I guess Saquon's there, but that's not, Saquon's name is a lot bigger than his production at this point. So you're going to a team that already doesn't have that much of a run game. I would love to see Brian Dable help Danny Dimes develop into the quarterback that they need him to be. I, I absolutely love this hire for the Giants, Ed. And I'm, I think I'm going to give this one an A-. minus. I'm probably going to give a lower grade. I'm probably going to give more of a B. I think he's done a great job with Josh Allen. And you know now, now his job is to is basically Daniel Jones, and I mean this is pretty much the third chance they've you know had with uh, with Daniel Jones, right? Like that, you know they've 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 tried it twice, so um, they're trying to find the right guy for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has looked good when he's had the chance. Um, I think he's a stable quarterback. I think it's building the rest of the offense around him. I'm gonna give him a B plus. I respect that, Ed, and I like that last part you added in there. You want to see him build the offense around him. And that's a great point, man. That is a great point because, yeah, they got the names there. They The, the Giants are more of a team that likes to go for names rather than production. I mean, they brought in Kenny Galladay after one of his worst seasons with the Lions. And I, I get that hire, but at the same time, or excuse me, not that hire, but that signing, I get it. But at the same time, it's it's not a groundbreaking signing. And they, the, he, the Giants aren't the type of team to do stuff like that. So 
getting an exciting name like Brian Dable, who you know you're going to yeah, probably have a successful offense with, that's going to make a lot more people want to go to New York. And if, if they can establish pieces around Daniel Jones, I think we're going to finally see what he could be. And I, I think after this year, potentially next, we'll see, is Danny Dimes the answer for the New York Giants? Yes or no? Because if Dable was able to bring the best of the best out of Josh Allen, I hope he can do that with Daniel Jones. But if he's not, maybe that just proves Daniel Jones isn't the guy, Ed. So I totally see where you're coming from with this hiring. I just like the aspect that, you know, just having the name Brian Dable there, I think is going to really benefit uh, the Giants in the long run for bringing people in. So I, I totally see where you're coming from with your grade, Ed. And I respect that. Let's hop over to one of the most intrigued. I think this might have been the most like exciting hire of, of the entire offseason or the, the, for any coach. Josh McDaniels to the Raiders, Ed. This one, it kind of, it, I was kind of surprised, but I saw, I started to see reports leak out about it. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, Ed. That makes a lot of sense. I think this could potentially be the best hire for any team as long as it doesn't go like his tenure with the Denver Broncos. He's one of the most brightest and consistent offensive minds in all of football. 12, 12, Ed, top 10 offenses is a very, very impressive resume. And I get it. Having Tom Brady probably makes your life a little bit easier, but Tom Brady didn't develop that system. I promise you that. I mean, Tom Brady, yeah, every once in a while, he's going to go call his own play, but that was Josh McDaniel's system. Josh McDaniels is a huge part of helping Tom Brady become the quarterback he is today. And, you know, there was the stuff that he did with the Colts, yada, yada, yada. I think he saw an opportunity to win more championships with, with the Patriots, and that's why he stayed. And I get that. I don't think the, the Raiders would have hired McDaniels if they didn't truly fully believe he's 110% our guy at this point. And Derek Carr absolutely deserves this, Ed. You and I have raved about how good Derek Carr is, how underappreciated Derek Carr is, how talented Derek Carr is. And he has not had true stability at his head coaching position, really, in his entire career. I mean, you thought you were going to have Gruden for 10 years. We all know how that panned out. I am so excited to see. I mean, I don't want the Raiders to be too successful because I still love Denver, but I'm really excited to see what Derek Carr can do with an offensive mind like this. And man, Derek Carr absolutely deserves it. I don't know how this will pan out for the entirety of the team, but I can promise you this, Ed. The, the Las Vegas Raiders will be one of the top offenses in the National Football League next year. Right now, I'm going to give this grade a B+. Well, so my question is, is that, do you think Josh McDaniel's style is a little too conservative for Derek Carr? That's a great question, because we know Derek Carr likes to take his shots, but I, you know, I honestly think that it's, it could in a way benefit. And I, I think they might kind of um, make an amalgamation of their two you know, playing styles because Derek Carr is a guy that likes to take what's open. But if there's a chance to take a shot, he's going to take that shot. And McDaniels, like you said, he is pretty conservative. So, you know, I didn't, I necessarily didn't think about that because he is a underneath guy, take what's available. But I, I hope, I'm hoping, Ed, that they can kind of find a way to fuse those two play styles together and make it work. But in a way, though, if if McDaniels tells Carr, hey, we we had this much success with Brady, I want to see you play like this. I'm I'm all for it, you know? And I think within the first three, four weeks, we'll see if it works or not, and I think they'll take it from there. So I'm going to say for right now, no, because I still trust Derek Carr to trust his gut and take the shots when they're there. Good question, though. 
I mean, I think McDaniels will make his offense work for Derek Carr. And I, I think this is, you know, from an offensive standpoint, this is a great hire. Um, I think he's learned his lesson from, you know, what happened in Denver, what happened in Indianapolis. I mean, he didn't do what he did in Indianapolis. I think, I mean, the, the Indianapolis job just didn't look good, very good. I mean, at least the Raiders are a team on the upswing. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned a couple a uh, couple of people go, you want to go on the upswing, right? It's, it's going to make life a lot easier for you. And the Raiders, I mean, that was a team that scraped it into the playoffs. And that's because Derek Carr was able to carry that team. Can you imagine the damage he's going to do in a legitimate offensive system? Ed, I, I would be scared for if I was in the AFC West. This AFC West is going to be unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And I cannot wait to see all the battles within Ed. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, the Chiefs with Mahomes, and then you got the Raiders with McDaniels, and then you got, um, you know, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, and then you got the Broncos, who could acquire Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. So. Oh, man, so. if that happens, so. that's a scary division, Ed. Let's talk about Nathaniel Hackett to Denver. So this is one that it could either be an A++ with a little bit of extra credit, or it could be, you know, kind of an underwhelming one. It depends on what happens with it, you know. There's always that idea in the back of your head that, hey, we brought Hackett over. Him and Aaron Rodgers have a phenomenal relationship. He said a lot of good things about Hackett. He said he's one of his favorite people in all of the Packers organization. So if, you, if you're able to bring Rodgers over, there's no way I'm giving you anything less than an A++. But if you don't, you, you, have, to, you have to find some success with Locke for this to be a, a win for me. I have not seen many quarterbacks get as many chances as Drew Locke, but I think it's because they truly believe in his potential. And potential is a scary thing, but if, if we get a guy like Hackett that can prove, and, and he's openly come out and said how he's going to change the offense schematically, how he's going to take more shots, a lot of coaches can say these things. I want to see him prove it. I, if he can prove it to me, I'll at least respect that. If he at least goes out there and truly does change Denver's offensive style, I'll respect that at the minimum. I mean, Denver's had such a conservative offense the last few years, and it has really, really held them back because that defense has been top 10, top 10 every year, and they are the only reason they're in games. They have to stop losing games due to the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's what they're expecting Hackett to change. If you don't bring in Rodgers... I want to see if you can develop Locke into be that guy that you want him to be. And I don't think anybody's denying Drew Locke's skill and or talent. They're denying his, his I guess, playmaking ability and his decision-making. And if, if Hackett can transition to... Because Rodgers is one of the most disciplined quarterbacks in the league. The dude doesn't throw interceptions. He knows when to take his shots. And I'm hoping that Hackett can, you know, teach that mentality to Locke. So I'm, I think it's a really exciting hire. Uh, I don't think you can in any way really say it was a bad hire yet because there's so many good things that could come out of it. It's just, are we going to be met with another underwhelming offense? And that's a question that we're going to have to wait to answer. So for right now, I'm going to give Denver a B for this hire if they bring uh, Rodgers in, though. Like I said, A++ with some extra credit on top. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think a lot of it. I think this move signals that Denver wants Aaron Rodgers, and uh, you know he was asked on the golf course recently and playing in a tournament. You know, <laughs> do, are you going to come to Denver? And Aaron Rodgers said, maybe we'll see. And I think even Aaron Rodgers doesn't know where he's going, but I don't think the Green Bay Packers are going to trade him. Um, and I, I wonder if you know, I think the Packers are going to make a, a push to kind of keep him around, and you know he's going to have the op- opportunity to. 
opt out and you know you know Nathaniel Hackett is gonna you know put together a, a you know a pitch for him to come to Denver and so Aaron Rodgers was asked on the golf course you know whether he was coming to Denver and he said we'll see and I, I think I read into that situation that not even Aaron Rodgers knows if he's coming to Denver but I think that what the Packers will do is I think they'll uh, make a push for Aaron Rodgers to stay and then he has an opportunity to opt out and you know there's going to be a few teams pining for his services but the fact that he has the familiarity with Nathaniel Hackett would really make it a huge difference in the in the Packers getting Aaron Rodgers now you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos offense and you got a better offense than the Packers um, you also got a better defense than the Packers so um, you know the Denver Broncos could instantly overnight become you know a Super Bowl contender but again you know I mean there's going to be other teams that are going to be wanting his services you know, it, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But, I mean, it's kind of going to be like Peyton Manning, where it's like who can recruit the best will be a big difference. No, absolutely. This is this is almost a picture-perfect comparison to the Manning situation. If they land him, this will be almost just like the Manning situation, with the exception of, you know, how it happened with Manning's injury and stuff. But getting a quarterback that's kind of, you know, reaching the back part of their career and you got a really good team around them, and you're just missing that quarterback. You're just missing that quarterback. I really, really, really hope that this happens for Denver, but at the same time, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL, and the, the chances of Denver landing him are, they're slim, but there is absolutely a possibility there, Ed, and I would I would love to see Denver go all out for it, Ed, but uh, let's, let's hop over into the last new coaching hire that we have, and that's Dennis Allen with the Saints. Now, this one, I, I totally get it. It makes sense. And you, you look at the Saints situation and they're like, all right, we are in a very, very crappy situation. We're in a crappy cap situation. Roster's not looking too great. Don't know who's going to be our quarterback going next year. Don't know who's going to be your number one receiver next year. It's it's looking a little rough over there in, in New Orleans. So I, I understand hiring within, and I always love to see guys within a program get that promotion and you know what he's done with the Saints defense has been it's been pretty solid for for what five years five six years now or I think we've just reached seven I think he's been defensive coordinator since 2015 so um, he's progressively gotten better throughout his career and that's something you love to see out of a guy that's getting a promotion is getting better at what you do every single year I've heard great things about the person Dennis Allen is and that, that's one thing I really value in coaches is hearing what players have to say about them because now obviously I've never met the guy but like I said you need to be able to have that connection with your head coach on a personal level if you want to be successful and Dennis Allen brings that to the Saints and I just the Saints I couldn't see them really getting any outside hires with how bad that situation is but at the same time I also think Dennis Allen is one of the better opportunities if you are kind of in a rebuild situation right now so He's brought an aspect of consistency to that defensive side of the ball, so maybe he's going to bring an aspect of consistency to the football team. I'm not expecting the Saints to be a top-tier team whatsoever next year, but for the situation being, I like the hire, and it makes a lot of sense to me, so I'll give him a B-. But Dennis Allen, I mean, he's done a lot of good things with the Saints defense. You know, he's brought them kind of from the bottom to the top, so I give him credit for that. I'm going to give this hiring a C-. Yeah, I, I respect that. I mean, I don't think Dennis Allen's going to blow anybody away as a head coach. I really, really don't. The only reason I'm giving it a decent grade is because 
the hire just makes sense for the situation being. I don't think they were going to be able to get anybody else, and I don't think anybody else makes too much sense. So Dennis Allen, I get it. Not going to blow anybody away, Ed. But All right, Ed. And for the last coaching hire we got, Mike McDaniel. Now this one is very interesting. I know a lot of people didn't really see this one coming, but I mean, I, I guess I get it. I guess I get it. Uh, you you want to find a guy that's that's truly dedicated to developing uh, to attack of Iloa and develop and creating an offense around him. I mean, they run a very unique RPO uh, offense there in Miami, and having a guy like him, I think it's perfect. He's he's a great young offensive mind, uh, not a play caller, which kind of concerns me. But he knows how to maximize talent. When he was in San Francisco, he was credited with being you know the main brain behind how to utilize Debo Samuel in the way that they did. And the back half of the season, Debo was arguably the best offensive weapon in football. So he knows how to maximize the guys around him. And I love to see that. There's a, there's some hiding talent there in, in Miami, Ed. I really believe that. And to bring it out, it's going to take the right guy. He's He has openly said that, you know, Tua's his guy. He wants to rock with Tua. He wants to develop Tua to the fullest. And he's also in a way, just a very unique human being, but I think it's in a very good way. He kills all of his interviews. He, he gives great answers. I get him as a personnel standpoint. I mean, he's, I think he'll be a, a strong leader, but at the same time, you've never really been in a position to have to be the full leader of an entire group of guys. Now you got 53 guys you have to go out and lead, which is a little bit concerning. But overall, I think the hire does make a little bit of sense just for how bad you want Tua to be your guy. And with the, the type of offense that they run, it's it's in a way similar to the Niners, but not exactly. But I, I get the higher ed, and I actually like it. I know a lot of people are questioning it, but I have seen a lot of things that are crediting this guy with having one of the best young offensive minds in football. And I love to see like guys like that get a chance on a bigger platform. But how he's going to fare as an actual head coach, I'm not too sure yet. I think he kind of gives off that kind of like genius vibe. You know what I'm saying? He kind of gives that vibe. Right. You know, he's brilliant. And um, and I and I think this is the kind of hire that can work. I think, you know, if, 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 uh, if he can get buy-in from his players, uh, if he can get the respect of his team, I mean, you know, <laughs> this could be Belichick 2.0. You know, and, and, and there is a side to it where he's, he's kind of young looking, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's old. He's older than his team, but um, you know, you're talking about a lot of alpha males in that room, and you know, is he going to be able to sort of kind of be that commanding force? And um, I think he has it in him. I think I think I think this is a good hire. You know, I, I respect the fact that he's going to take someone like Tua, who really doesn't seem like the favorite of a lot of coaches, right? And he says, "I can do something with Tua." So I I, I respect him. I'm going to give this. I'm gonna give this an A minus. I think this is a guy who uh, is sneakily brilliant. I love that sneakily brilliant. I mean, for for the credit he's been given for de- improving, you know, the guys on the 49ers offensive side of the ball is it's it's undeniable. And I I would love to see how he can implement that type of usage of players into the Miami Dolphins. And you know, they the, the Dolphins proved they can win football. I absolutely agree with what you said. He can kind of be, he could potentially be a genius that nobody's really expecting right now. So I'll give it a B plus for now. I want to see how it really works out, but I I absolutely love the hire so far. 
talking about the Super Bowl, Ed, I am nervous. I'm nervous, but at the same time, I got faith in the I got faith in the Rams. But before we get into that, I'm gonna give you the stage and just this is kind of a unique Super Bowl. So why don't you fill us in on some of the crazy stuff that's gonna be happening? Okay, so let me do like seven things. Uh, one, Joe Burrow could be the first to win a national championship, a Heisman, and a Super Bowl in a three-year span. Uh, this is the second year in a row that it's being played at one team's home field, um, the Rams. And, I mean, you know, back in the day, they used to say, you know, <laughs> they'll never play it at, a, at the home teams. You know, the chances are so low. And then, now it's been done two years in a row, and the Bucks won at home. So, I mean, the Rams have a huge advantage in this game, just the home field not having to fly. Antonio Brown's saga goes on. He bought the owner's suite at the Super Bowl for $2 million. Uh, <laughs> impulse buy, I would assume. <laughs> um, I'm worried about the guy. Uh, ESPN found out that Joe Burrow is the quickest number one to make it to the Super Bowl, and Matt Stafford is the longest. So <laughs> they both came in the league as number one picks, but one took a lot longer than the other. I think this is exciting. I mean, either way, this is going to be a good story, whether it's the Bengals who've kind of been the lowly bungles for so many years, and then you got Matthew Stafford who's been with the Lions for so many years. So either way, you're going to get a great story out of this game. Aaron Donald has never won a Super Bowl. He's pretty much done everything else in his career. And also, you know, the Rams are all in, right? Like, they traded for uh, Von Miller. Um, so, you know, this was a rent-a-player, and, I mean, this might set a precedent, you know? Like, I mean, you see in baseball where a team will be a buyer at the trade deadline and they'll, you know, go and get a play, you know, go get a player for, you know, just the right remaining part of the season and hope he, you know, turns it or, you know, makes it a Super Bowl team. This is what the Rams did with Von Miller, and we'll probably see this more in football if the Von Miller thing works out. So, lot lot on this game. And obviously this would be the Bengals' first Super Bowl ever. Ed, you make a great point with that Von Miller trade. I mean, that was something that's that's kind of unique in the NFL. We haven't really seen teams that are like so close to, you know, knowing that they're going to win it and then go make a, you know, I, I could consider that a blockbuster trade, honestly. I mean, that's a former Super Bowl MVP, has been the highest graded linebacker throughout the playoffs so far. If this works out, I 100% agree with you, Ed. We might see a lot more of this stuff happening in the NFL. Teams getting, you know, Right around the trade deadline, they're like, hey, we could be a legitimate contender. We just need this one more piece. See them go all out for it, Ed. I could, I absolutely could see that because I don't think I've ever seen a team go all as all out as the Rams have in this season alone. I mean, you made you traded everything you had for Matt Stafford. Then regular season, you traded a bunch for, for Von Miller. You were able to acquire OBJ. They are going all out. All out, Ed. And... I'm just going to give you some of these key matchups that I'm looking for in the Super Bowl that I think will be the diff- biggest difference maker. Um, the first one, obviously, and I think most evident, is the the Rams' defensive line versus the Bengals' offensive line. I mean, that's that's one of the best going against one of the worst. And I, I just... The, the, the hand goes to the, the Rams' defensive line by 100 miles. This is how you're going to win the football game, is is just getting consistent pressure. I mean, a team that gave up nine sacks to a not-so-strong Titans defense, yeah, they still won the game, but you're not going to do that against a team like the Rams. I mean, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Leonard Floyd, you're not going to do that against the Rams. It's that simple. And I'm just saying, if you recall, Aaron Donald was held in check his first, first and only Super Bowl. He was getting triple teamed. It was one of the worst games he played all season that year. 
Now he's got a chance to redeem himself, and he's not going to be facing as many double and triple teams as he was in that Super Bowl. I mean, you got a former Super Bowl MVP and machine, playoff machine on the other side of him in Von Miller, and then Leonard Floyd is going to be playing. So I, I'm scared for the Bengals offensive line, man. I am. And I think that Vaughn, would, just with how good he's been in this playoff series alone too, it's, it's going to cause, or it's going to cause havoc for the Bengals. Now, if, if the Bengals want to have any success against that, they're going to have to play the same style of offense they've been playing the entire playoffs. Dink and dunk, find the guy that's open. You're not going to have opportunities to take shots downfield. With a team like the Rams, with how fast they can score and how good their defense is, you got you got to kind of take shots every once in a while. But I think the Rams' D-line is just going to make it so hard with how bad that Bengals' O-line is. Um, another really big matchup that I'm looking at is the Bengals wide receivers versus the Rams defensive backs. Now, Jamar Chase has, when he's struggling, it's because he's facing a dominant man corner. He struggled really bad against Pat Sertain this year. It was the worst game of his uh, career so far, actually. Against Denzel Ward were the other two worst games of his career so far. So two really dominant man corners that are going to smack you in the mouth if you, if you, if you press up against him. And Jalen Ramsey is the best man corner in football. So I think if, if Ramsey is shadowing Jamar Chase for the entirety of this game or the majority of this game, I'm calling it right now. T. Higgins is the is the number one receiver for the Bengals in this in this playoff game. He's gonna lead the team in receptions and reception yards. I truly believe that. Because if if I'm Jalen Ramsey, I'm gonna promise my the rest of my team, Jamar Chase won't be the reason we lose this game. I can't promise you the other guys, but I will make sure. I, Jalen Ramsey, will make sure Jamar Chase is not the reason we lose this game. And I truly believe that. I mean, Richard Sherman came out today and said, oh, I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, moving him uh, back and forth, taking or uh, covering Jamar. I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. I mean, the Rams run such a different defense than that Seahawks team did. And Richard Sherman was never one to, to shadow the best receiver. In a game like this, you've seen how dominant Jamar Chase can be. And you've seen what his weakness is. Attack it to the fullest, Ed. Attack it to the fullest. I'm telling you right now, the Rams' defense will be the reason they win this game. The last, uh, and you know, the last matchup that I'm looking at isn't necessarily one-on-one. It's it's Stafford versus Burrow. Who's going to take better care of the football? And I think Burrow is somebody that absolutely does take better care of the football. But like I said, he's also somebody that hasn't really had an opportunity to take shots this this playoff series. And against a team like the Rams, you got to score points. So the Bengals' success, or the Bengals' key to victory, Ed, is scoring every time you have the ball. I don't care if you got to take a field goal. You have to score every time you have the ball because the Rams have shown they can score three touchdowns in a quarter. With with how dominant Cooper Cup has been this season, you already know he's going to find one or two times at least this game where he's going to get behind the secondary and break it long. So if, if Joe Burrow takes good care of the football can at least get three every drive, I think they have a legitimate chance to win. The Rams' key to success is Matt Stafford keeping his interceptions under one, or one and under. I think he'll get away with one interception, but this can't be a game where he has, you know, three, four touchdown passes, and two interceptions, and a pick six. If that happens, I really, truly believe that the Bengals win this game. If, if they win the turnover battle by more than one, the Bengals absolutely win this football game. And that's kind of concerning uh, to me about Matt, Matt Stafford's interception problem this year has been concerning to me. Uh, he, he's thrown some bad interceptions in big games. I mean, 
He wouldn't even be in the Super Bowl right now if Jaquizy Tart didn't drop that interception right in his hands. Like, he literally almost threw their Super Bowl chances away. So you just cannot have that in a game like this. Stafford needs to find his balance of conservativeness and aggressiveness, and that's something he has somewhat struggled with this year. But if he finds that balance, I'm absolutely giving the edge to the Los Angeles Rams. Ed, I'm going to... Stafford's been working at this for 13 years, Ed. I can't see him losing this football game. I can't see it. Aaron Donald's the best football player in the NFL. He needs his chance to redeem himself. Von Miller wants another Super Bowl. The Rams aren't losing this game, Ed. I'm giving me Rams 23 or Rams 27, Bengals 23. And I'm gonna go 30-27. I think this is gonna be a good game, but the Rams are the best team in the world. I agree with you, Ed. Defense wins championships, baby. But Ed, I really appreciate you joining me on this episode of Blitzcast, man. It's it's always fun. And, you know, talking about these new coaching hires is, is always one of my favorite parts of the year. And Super Bowl. It's it's normally my favorite part of the year, but we got the Bengals in it. So I, I don't know how to feel about it quite yet. After, if the Bengals lose, it'll definitely be my favorite time of the year. But as of right now, I got some butterflies in my stomach. So I'm, I'm hoping and Hopefully next week, we're talking about the Rams as Super Bowl champions and not the other way around, Ed. But as always, I really appreciate you being on the show, my friend. Thank you, and thanks for listening to Blitzcast.